This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. All right, this is your chance to ask us hard questions and grill us, and it's, uh, we at least hope you ask us something, because the worst would be you don't ask us anything. <laughs> All right, Eric. Eric. Uh-oh. She's coming in hot. The first question, and there, uh, I can't think of anything to time together, so unfortunately there's no link. But the first question is, if you have to give or discuss a topic that is just not going to be pleasant for the other person in the, in the, that it affects, how do you turn your empathy off? <laughs> and, the, and the other question is, when... Bad things are happening to someone who, I'll just throw it out there, Zeke is going through some. Yeah. I feel you, Eric. (laughs) Sorry. And I really wish that God was an outside force because I really want to tell him off. And I don't know how to deal with that. Okay, that, <clears throat> all right. So I guess that's the question. What do you do when, <laughs> who do I get to yell at? Yeah. <laughs> I think that grief, grief is multifaceted and anger is a big part of it. And even though there isn't an outside God to yell at, you can still yell. You know, and it's, it's an energy, and it comes out from, from within you, and it's, it's sacred because it's tied in with the love that you have for him, and it's hard. It's hard to watch someone die, and sometimes it's a sudden thing, and sometimes it's a very long and slow process, and, and we die right along with them because the relationship that we had even though we know they continue as part of the light eternally, the way that we knew them goes away. And so that's dying for us, and it's hard. And it's okay to have all those feels. There's nothing elevated about not feeling it or not expressing it. I know you've had dogs you've let go of, and Tam, you've had your husband, and you both have things to say. Well, this is one of the hardest things. I can't even really look at you, Eric, because I have shared it. You go. I'll come back. Gee, thanks. (laughs) 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 Oh, thank you. I think both questions kind of remain the same. The idea of being so vulnerable and in so much pain to witness losing somebody, something, and to have to pull so deeply into our knowing that everyone has a time and a reason to be here, and how do we get through 
the agony of finding what their lessons are for each of us and to celebrate what they are giving us in the moment and holding on to that. Um, Eric, feels a lot like your first question, which is when you have to have that hard conversation. I don't know that we ever disconnect from empathy, um, but to have empathy for ourselves in that moment is probably what we need to do most. And I'm not big on anybody needs to do anything, so I'd like to rephrase that. <laughs> um, just to be able to be kind to ourselves, to slow down, to understand that grief doesn't even go away when the event occurs if we've lost someone. It comes in waves, it comes in surprises, it, smacks you upside the head and brings you to your knees. And so empathy as a spiritual practice while asking for the good to come in, the memories, the beautiful pieces to get us through might be the only way to address and celebrate the beauty of Zeke and our lives and our community together that I know of. Well, given my family, I have a lot of musculature around difficult conversations. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think sometimes it, it, it is important to realize, for me, um, I have also shared patience is a challenge for me. And so I am learning and getting stronger at really, at really setting up before I have that interaction am I really coming at this from love, from a loving place? And I totally agree that empathy also needs to come back to ourselves. I also don't think it serves anybody to avoid those difficult conversations. We're here to help each other grow. And I, I know you well enough to know you have absolute capacity to enter into something like that from a loving, a loving direction. With Zeke, um, that's gonna that's gonna tear your heart out. I went through it when Tessa dog passed, and all I can say is, oh gosh, darn it! To your point, here I am again. It's been a few years, and I, the depth of your grief reflects the depth of your love, and there will be good life after Zeke. It's just really gonna be hard. That's all I got. I want to add as well about your hard conversations. Like you have musculature around hard <laughs> yeah. conversations, I have musculature around avoiding them. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've had to learn that. And, oh my gosh, it's been a hard lesson. But, but really when we think about the, the hesitancy to have those hard conversations, it's based on a belief that either we don't deserve whatever it is that we want that we're having to talk about, or that there's some virtue in allowing the other person to misbehave if they are, um, and, and there isn't. That isn't truth. I think it's important always that we talk about ourselves and what is true for us and not be in a blaming, you know, like it's not, it's not an elevated and helpful conversation if you sit someone down to tell them what's wrong with them. That's, 
there's nothing enlightened about that. But, but to, to be able to stand up for yourself and say, wow, this is what happens for me in this situation. This is what's going on for me. And, and draw on the courage, which is, courage comes from the French word cour, which is heart. So you're saying connect to your heart mm -hmm. and allowing the, the words of wisdom that also come from your heart to flow and, and trust that it's all in order. The cosmos is always in order. We don't like it, but it's in order. And, and so align yourself with that and perhaps that would help. Can I add one thing? To mm -hmm. this, because it's I'm actually going through this very same thing right now with a with a family member, um, uh, and it's been challenging for me. But one of the acts of grace that I try to bring into it every single time is reminding myself that despite behavior, that person also is a spiritual being, and it really is possible for them to completely turn their life around, even if it's hard to see it. And I will tell you that in my situation with this younger person, um, I have seen some amazing advances with that person. When, and I believe I'm feeding that by, by even when we're having the difficult stuff, holding the possibility for them way beyond appearances at that moment. Yeah. Thank you for kicking us off Yeah. With great <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, you're keeping it real. And Zeke. Thank you. I have a question from our online community. Oh, cool. What <laughs> is the difference between universalist, Unitarian, and unity? <laughs> we have a whole letter <laughs> that that describes that. Um, I don't know if that's living on our website I yet or not, so. but. It was posted on our Facebook page for sure. Yeah. I, I really loved what William had to say about that um, when we talked about this uh, maybe a month or so ago. And he talked about how um, the Unitarians are more about doing something to create justice, and unity is more about knowing that justice is already. It's no, knowing who we are. So we come from that place of knowing. It isn't to say that we don't do anything, but we start from a place of knowing. I, I think that there's, um, there is a lot of shared belief in virtue, and maybe the virtue part is, is more emphasized in the Unitarian Church. Um, yeah. You can think of others. Yeah, I can. I, in fact, we just recently did an Earth Summit event, and Unity and the Unitarians joined up to do it. And, and it was funny because the Unitarian colleague was like, you know, people confuse us with Unity all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I know, we get confused. With, so we're actually working together on some language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for how better to, to distinguish this. What I would say is they're super compatible. You know, um, in my experience, um, I've heard a lot of people have come to Unity because they say there hasn't been quite enough God in the Unitarian 
services. So um, I've heard that. I personally, one of my callings within our unity movement is to be the burr under the saddle pad to get the meditation off the mat and into the messes. So I appreciate that about the Unitarians. Um, and, and to take it just a layer up, I would put both of, of those entities in more of a new thought framework, mm -hmm. which is how I describe that is it's moving away from a dualistic approach of a God out there and separate and whatnot and more about we embody spirit and it's about mm -hmm. growing from a place of oneness. So that's my, we're gonna get better at this. If you ask this question in a few months, we'll have a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> anything to add? I really don't have anything to add to okay. that part of it. I will mention the idea of world religions. I am one of the few up here, the only one that is not ordained in unity principle. Yeah, okay, we're only months away, baby girl. <laughs> and, you know, even some of today, when new members were talking about that well of spiritual truths that they've brought here, and it just so happens this feels like our home, I will elevate it to the conversation of a child so my daughter, Katie, who will be back eventually and become a new member, um, is going to be 24. And she was raised in a wacky world called our family. Um, her father w is, was um, a devout Catholic, and he had the silly sense to decide to marry me. And I have all world religions under my um, ordainment, and I'm under um, love and action ministries is what the precept is. And um, we were in the car. Now, my father is a survivor of Nazi Germany, and in fact was one of the 1,500 um, Jews interred in the Philippines that there are documentaries and things like that on. And I was raised with no religion whatsoever in my family. In fact, my father stepped away from his Judaism because of his story, and he didn't want to do it. Um, and so as I entered the ministry, I was exploring. But let's get to this fabulous kid. And we're in the car one day, and she's going to the Catholic church that she is in the children's choir. And she says, you know, Mom, you're not Catholic. And I said, okay, this is news to me, but thanks for sharing. And she said to me, I don't think I can be Catholic anymore. And I said, okay, what's going on? And she said, I think people need to join Gramsci's team. That's my dad, who is not a practicing Jew. And I just say, what's so beautiful about that comment is we're all looking inside for what is the spiritual path that feeds your heart and soul. And I think it's so magnificent that Jane and the board and all have created this perfect place that you can bring whatever you believe and elevate it to a level that provides you the truth you most need to be here as part of a community and make a difference in the world. That's beautiful.
behind you. Oh. <laughs> okay, Carol, be kind. <laughs> More straightforward. Um, <laughs> this has to do with prayer. And uh, with my prayer partner and with others that I pray with, uh, sometimes I come up against something that I don't know what to deal with, which is they want to pray for something that I consider unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's like uh, if somebody's sick, for instance, if somebody's dying, I don't necessarily want to pray that they are healthy and running around again. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe what I want, what I think is an appropriate prayer would be uh, that they're at peace and they know that they are a beloved child of God and, you know, that they can let go, things like that. And somebody else wants them to be healthy and well and, and you know, be a child again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm, the point being something that I consider really not in accordance with the order of the universe and what's actually happening. Yeah. And I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know whether to set aside all my thoughts and beliefs about it and just question. affirm whatever they want or uh, to be more true to myself about it because it feels really false to be affirming things that aren't happening. So I think where you're getting stuck is in the circumstance. So the circumstance is the letting go of this body. That, but the truth is life. There is life always. There is wholeness always. There is love always. And so when you pray, you can pray with the person because prayer isn't about changing the, the circumstances. Prayer is about changing how we see the circumstances. So the person you're praying with in your example is looking at somebody and seeing a body that is dying and wanting to see something else. And so you're helping that person change their point of view, seeing them as eternal life that can never be anything but fullness and joy and vitality. And it may be that that person is now going to express that outside of physical form. But that's not yours to know nor is it the other person's. It's theirs to know what they want, but, but the prayer is that we can see this person and hold them in the fullness of life, which is the truth of who they are. I'd say get a new prayer partner. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I can't, I can't top that. That's awesome. You know, and perhaps, perhaps if that person continues to pray for you know, the return of wholeness and whatnot, perhaps you can just go inside and, and know that that can, that can happen on this plane of this person being an eternal spiritual being. That you could maybe read, define that it doesn't necessarily mean a return in that body. Good question, though. Mr. Dave. My story isn't like a lot of people here. I grew up in a little, little town, little Lutheran church, but it's pretty cool. It's like a pro- pretty progressive ELCA congregation. And I was very lucky. I had no trauma around it. And I quite loved it for then. You know, in, in hindsight, looking back, it was great. You know, 
And I've now grown into this place throughout the years. I started out just a piano player, and then I got more and more involved and more leadership and more 22 years later here I still am. And um, I am not just subscribed or believing in this, but I'm my whole body is becoming more and more new thoughts and in this movement. But I still notice that I have times where in, in times of discomfort or grief or questioning, that's what faith is about is questioning what you can't answer, you know what I mean? I find myself wanting to go back to some of the, I don't know if you call it ceremony or the rituals of say the old church, I get on my knees or get on my at my begging type prayer. And I'm, I, I, I don't feel bad about it, but I feel like, it, am, is my one foot still out of the circle? You know, am I not, I don't know. I'm, I'm finding a way to, I mean, I guess I love it and I'm fine with it, but I'm trying to find my way to get all the way in here. And, and I don't know if that's holding me back. I don't know if that's the wrong way to approach things. I guess I don't know what I'm asking, but I just, if, I, I guess I find comfort in some of the old stuff. And... What, what does one do to, <laughs> to, to, you know, I, do you understand what I'm asking? Mm -hmm, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's, there's no, there's no rule that you have to get rid of everything. It, it's like what works for you? What, what brings you closer to truth? And does that bring you closer? Then keep it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, and, and I think, you know, like your example of get down on your knees, well, what does that mean? Like if, if you look at A Course in Miracles, for example, you know, you're, think about it as it's the part of you that is the small self that doesn't, doesn't know how to handle this. And you're on your knees, which is a state of obeisance to the higher self of you. You know, and, and you're saying, I'm, I'm putting this down, this part, I'm, I'm saying, you know, to the higher part of me, take over. I, I don't know how to do this. And that's a beautiful prayer. And if your knees can stand kneeling on the ground, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I would add, um, I think one of the rabbit holes that new thought people can go down is, oh my God, I'm doing this wrong. Oh, 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 oh my oh my god i'm in i'm in separation or whatever and i think we just need to kind of like have a little more fun with it all you know i hear you pray a lot he often leads we do a prayer everyone who's going to be part of service before service starts and dave often leads that and he talks he calls god gus the the god universe god universal spirit which is beautiful i've shared that i talk to the the holy spirit which is the big hs slash my highest self Holy Spirit slash highest self. So, um, you know, my growing edge as someone who does have Christian shadow baggage is moving past duality. So, so I would say anything that feeds us is, is wonderful. And if I got down on my knees and did a begging prayer, I would not be comfortable with that. But I'm not saying it's not good for a lot of people. I didn't have religious rituals as a kid. Um, how strange is it to figure out your father's Jewish because you keep hanging out with people 
on Shabbat on Friday and Saturday nights and going, wait, he knows the same thing they do. What's going on? Um, and so I think, Dave, this idea of letting it be in whatever ritual rocks your world, yep. right? My greatest, most excited moment since moving to Bend, Oregon, was to be able to be in the choir on Christmas Eve years ago. <laughs> yeah. I have never done that in my life. I never had a church to go to. Um, gosh knows, um, the singing skipped me, so Dave let me in just out of sympathy. <laughs> um, she was good. But the truth is, is that, no, you guys think I'm kidding. He knows my kid sings better than I do, and she always has to sit next to me so you don't have to hear me. Um, but the idea of a ritual that means something, I think, is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever that ritual is, and Carol, to go back a moment to yours, um, my first prayer partner, the first time we prayed together, announced I was doing it wrong. And I was a little shocked in the moment, thinking, gosh darn it, I'm a professional. And, <laughs> um, and, and so I was taken back on the prayer thing. And when I thought about it, it's like, what am I supposed to be hearing in the, this moment? What am I supposed to be listening to? And the gifts that my prayer partner gave back to me was the most important thing. So both the, the praying and, and who is speaking to you and what we need to hear along with whatever rituals rock your world and bring you into that moment to receive, I think is all that really matters. There's a question in Nico the booth. And the Back there. Be nice, Nico. <laughs> okay, this is kind of sparked by recent, like the the huge earthquakes in Turkey and the chemical train crash in the U.S. And I think I, I know you guys have touched on this a little bit before, but I have a hard time finding that place of bearing witness to these and acknowledging that they're happening and also not letting it just devastate me and feel so horrible about what's going on in the world and finding hope in that. And I, cause I know, yeah, I can go take a walk in nature and enjoy the beauty that we have here and that feels great. But then coming back and saying, well, then there's so many people that don't get to experience yeah. this right now. Yeah. I think that's, I'm ha I have a difficult time finding that balance of knowing when to pay attention and bear witness to that and when to not let it destroy where, what I, my highest self and what I'm being. And then I have a second question is, uh, you guys have a favorite dance move? <laughs> <laughs> Well, in answer to your first question, um, <laughs> I, what works for me personally is to step back from what's going on. Because if I zero in on the circumstances, the circumstances are horrific. And I just, I can get myself all twisted in knots. If I pull way back, to a belief that all is in order, 
I also believe that we all choose when we come in. I don't know the level of detail we choose. I, I don't, you know, I've read some people say, oh, you know, we choose the parents, we choose the circumstances, we choose all this. Maybe. I don't know. It might be that we just choose, we want to learn acceptance. We want to learn forgiveness. Well, if you want to learn forgiveness, you're going to have to have something to forgive. You know, and you may, and, you know, I kind of imagine that for many, there's this wise soul that says, all right, I'm coming in for this. I can do it because you're, you're conscious that you're one with all that is. And then you go shh, narrow down into the human experience where everything is limited. That's the nature of the experience. That's what we feel. And we're thinking, whoa, 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 I didn't mean this. You know, so I think that that's kind of the dynamic that is happening. But ultimately, we have chosen. We've chosen individually as souls, and we've chosen collectively as souls. So right now, we are in a crisis point on our planet. And in order to go through to a, a different world, which I believe we are in the process of, a world that works for all, a world that the earth is valued, in order to do that, we have to go through this yuck. And, and what if the people in Turkey that are, are in such a, a sad situation right now, what if they are great souls who said, I'll be part of elevating consciousness by showing how this is not working? And that gives me comfort you know, I think it's one of those things, how can we know? We, we can't, but it makes sense to me that we ha it has to break down. If you look at all the traditions, like the Hindu tradition talks about, I don't know, I think it's like 5,000 years and you know these different ages that happen. They talk about the goddess Kali who is both creator and destroyer. It's there has to be the destruction part of the cycle, but we're never going to like that part. And what if we all signed on for this turning of the cycles? And, you know, realizing or not realizing that we'd have to feel all these feelings as part of it. That's the best I got. <laughs> I would just add that I like pretty much all dance moves. Um, uh, and, you know, this human part of our journey is not for wimps. It, it is, it's hard. There are hard aspects of it. And as someone who has been a lifelong environmental activist, um, it's, it's a challenge, and it, it, I think it is one of the most challenging areas to apply our new thought belief system, at least speaking from the eye, and I think I'm hearing it from you as well. Um, 
I'm even working, I'm even working on creating some eco-grief materials and things and programming because there's a lot of it right now. Um, and for me, I think, I think part of being resilient in the face of that, because I am not somebody who just can't listen to the news, that's not the path I'm on in this particular journey, yeah, um, is the ability to be very intentionally grateful for my own relatively great situation and also to be active in, in prayer and intent. I think another thing that's helpful is to recognize pretty much every single time we have at least a human tragedy, like what's happening in, in um, the earthquake zone and things, there's incredible human beauty that responds to that. Uh, that's helpful to me, but it doesn't mm -hmm. negate, you know, the hardship. And you ha have an empathetic heart. You can't, you can't unknow the challenges. And for me, when it comes to what's happening to this planet, um, that's harder for me to see an upside to that, really. So that's, that's I'm consistently working um, on holding, on holding in the, f in the field of possibility which is infinite, it is possible for humanity to get our act together. And I hold that space as I speak out and speak truth to power about what is wrong in certain situations and things that we're doing. So that's the best I can give you. It's a great question. When you're going through a process such as ordainment, you have to do a lot, a lot of work. And one of the practices is to journal. And I remember coming in to my, uh, my dean of students and going off on her about journaling because <laughs> I really did not like what was showing up in my writing. <laughs> um, and she did mention that was a you problem, so just so you know. Um, and one of the things that I was taught that I use to this day is a lot of times you'll hear journal with your non-dominant hand and that will be your inner child talking to you and there's all sorts of practices. And um, one day, um, much longer story, we got to house the Dalai Lama at the church that I was a part of, and he, giggling in joyful bliss, came in to talk to us about journaling, <laughs> and um, which was very annoying yet again for me. Um, and it's like, gosh, the best guy around to tell me how to do it, and I'm still annoyed. So what he shared was that if you were to open your journal and, Nico, take the recent earthquakes in Turkey and say to who, Gus or whoever you pray to or celebrate, what is it that I am to learn from this? What practice do you want me to hear or serve? And simply ask that question oh, wow, does everything change? And you get information you may not want to have. You get information 
for me. Um, I'll give you an example. The ongoing war in the Ukraine is, for me, a very personal, painful thing. I have family members there, and I hear bits and pieces. I see people's stories erased month after month, year after year, as this keeps going on, and had to remember that was the practice that I was supposed to return to. And I'm not sure I greeted the goddess in a very lovely way when I began that journal. And the response was, you will be asked to help. You must be awake. And I'm like, oh, crap. Something new to do. And about two hours later, a friend of mine who is a former paratrooper in the Army, and he's just a badass altogether here on this earth, said, um, I'm going to take my vacation time, and I'm going into the Ukraine, and I'm taking supplies. He says, I think I need two things. And I said, what, what? He said, I think I need prayer to bring all the people and places to me that I will be safe and I can make a difference. And you tend to do that pretty good. Will you hold the, the, the space for me? I said, oh, I'm on it and I got people. And so, you know, silent unity got activated immediately, etc. But I never knew what I would even be asked to do. And so I invite you in those painful times to open that journal, whatever, and, you know, just ask, how might I serve? And you may find some really cool information coming back. So I think we are officially out of time. Yeah. Um, but if you have questions that didn't get answered, feel free to email them to us because, you know, we're always coming up with what are we going to talk about. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe we'll talk about, you know, your idea for a Sunday talk sometime. So thank you all for your yeah, wonderful good questions. questions. Yep.